listening to Our Wayward Life, a podcast about living life a bit differently. We're Natalie and Daniel, a married couple from Tennessee. In 2015, we sold everything we owned, moved overseas, and we've been living the expat life ever since. Stick around to hear about our travel experiences, both good and bad, our expat adventures, and everything in between. Welcome back to episode number nine. Today we're doing something a little different. And we're really excited. At least I'm excited. Are you excited? Very excited. Awesome. So today we're here with Tyler Mahan Co., who may be one of the most interesting people out there. Uh, So welcome, Tyler. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, As you know, on Our Wayward Life, we love to talk to people who choose to live life just a little bit differently. And from what we can tell, you definitely fit the bill on that. Most definitely live. Um, so we recently saw you in GQ, which is amazing. Uh, and I feel like we got a pretty in-depth summary of your story. So you can, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and like how you came to be where you are now in life? Uh, sure. Um, so that GQ article was great. Uh, great writer named Brett Martin did that and he spent months, uh, talking to me, I think almost every week, like one day a week for months. Um, there's a lot of research is a long article. I was reading it and I kept expecting like the paragraph that I had just read to be the end of the article. And it just kept going. He said that it was one of the longest articles that they were going to run in GQ this year. So it's all pretty phenomenal considering I just like talk about music and that's why the article exists. Um, but yeah, so like if you want the full story, that GQ article is one of the best ways to get it. Um, but briefly, Uh, I was kind of born into the world of country music. Uh, My father is David Allen Coe. Hold on a minute. So you're telling us your father is the David Allen Coe. That's the one, yeah, he is. And um, so he was like putting me on his album covers before I could walk. Like if you go back and look at his album covers at me as a baby, like my baby pictures are on his album covers. So uh, on the way over here, you're kind of like, going over the questions that you were going to ask and one of them was like what did, why did you choose to do what you do and like, i don't really know how much uh choice was involved there you know <laughs> okay um but so then i you know fast forward to age of 15 i drop out of high school my parents have been divorced for a few years and i just go on tour with my father and he kind of pushes me in his band so then i play guitar in his band for 13 years full-time touring oh, not wow. so a lot of uh, musical artists, they like go make an album and then go tour and then go back and make an album. You know, that's sort of the thing. Not him. Like he didn't have a record deal. So it was just on tour the whole time. So I'm like, I basically was a carny for over a decade. <laughs> wow. And that sounds exhausting. It was, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people have these ideas about a dream of being a touring musician. It's like, you should go do it. <laughs> See, but I mean, yeah, I'm like not complaining about it or anything, but it's a job for sure. Yeah. It's definitely hard work. Um, and then uh, that all sort of blew up. Uh, my father very famously does not have a lot of lasting relationships with most of the people. And uh, for a long time, I was the exception to that. And then one day, I was not the exception to that. And uh, so there was a lot, there was a period there where I didn't really know um, what I could or would do. And I, did, I had made some life choices that greatly limited my options. I have a pretty impressive criminal record for doing some pretty dumb stuff. And uh, it's hard to get a job when you're a felon. Um, and, and people don't really care like how much you've changed, the choices that you've made to better yourself. That, that doesn't matter to someone who's just like trying to fill that. up. A, yeah, they're yeah. like, this guy's going to rob our cash register. <laughs> yeah. So... 
I didn't know music theory the whole time I was in the band. So I gave myself a crash course on music theory in order to start giving guitar lessons and then just kind of started trying to brainstorm of what, what am I good at? What can I do that I can afford to survive? Like how, how am I going to survive now? You know? And, um, I had social media accounts and I had noticed that when I say things on social media, they tended to get a level of response that a lot of other people's posts on social media don't get. So it's like, okay, I, I do objectively have a way of saying things that people become interested in what I have said. So how do you make money doing that? You know, and, uh, please tell us, well, yeah. we need this. Yeah. I need this secret. Yeah. What I, what I landed on was marketing. Uh, it was basically like, if you're, if you're good at getting people interested in stuff, that's, that's marketing. That's what they yeah. pay. That's what people pay marketers and advertisers for. We could just stop so, for a moment while the <laughs> elephant in the room is going to grab some at. beers. Do you want to take two? <laughs> 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 we can edit that out. Sorry. You can leave it in. Yeah, that'll uh, be fun. <laughs> so marketing. Um, yeah, so I sort of like, um, sort of kind of sort of freelancing, um, doing PR. There was this indie record label out of, uh, based out of Austin and LA called Sparrow Songs, and they had some projects coming out, and I uh, did some work for them. I had a little bit of success there for them, which was good. And, uh, and, and I'm in Springfield, Missouri while all this is happening. And I, I, again, I'm not making, like I'm, I'm literally donating blood plasma twice a week to okay. afford groceries. Yeah. That's my life at this point. Um, so it was just like anything I could do to make money. But also I, I had a lease with roommates, you know, um, and the plan was to come back here to Nashville. My family moved here when I was nine and the, here's where I left from when I went on the road okay. at 15 and, so the plan was to get back here, but I didn't want to just like bail on my lease with my roommates. You know, it's like, that's a responsibility and yeah. obligation that you I don't want to be the yeah. dickhead that nah. just walks yeah. out on everybody. So I was just kind of like grinding it out there. And then when I got back here, it was like, okay, now what, what can I do here? My, the experience that I have being in a band may not mean something to, uh, a manager at a restaurant, he's not going to hire me. But here, where there's an industry built around live music, a concert, record labels, all of this stuff, I what I have is seen as valuable experience here. It's yeah. not just some bullshit. You know, I would people the, people realize I wasn't out just fucking around being in a band yeah. for ten years. Sorry if you don't cuss on this show. That's no, okay. Yeah. Um, it happens. <laughs> um, so my plan was, I was like, I don't, I can afford to not make money. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had enough to survive. My plan was a year. I was like, I can keep putting stuff on a credit card for a year without actually making money so the plan was to go to a concert venue and tell them that I was just going to start showing up there every day like I work here now you don't have to pay me but I work here now and I looked around at the various places in town and there was one uh, complex of venues that I felt like I looked I took a look at their marketing and I was like these guys don't know what they're doing over here this is the place to go like this is the place where they will recognize what I'm bringing to the table and I did um within like a month I was running their their entire digital advertising everything wow. um because they had like an intern system so it was like me and all these college kids were <laughs> way younger than me but it it kind of wasn't even fair because I just came in and I'm like I know how all of this works yeah, it's, you had this the has experience. been yeah this has been my entire life so Seven months into that year that I gave myself, the GM there 
came up to me one day. He's like, hey, I'm going to go downstairs. And I'm going to put in my two weeks notice. Will you check your email address? Because I just sent you something. And what he sent me was this proposal for a startup company that he wanted to go do. And he was so he went put in his two weeks notice to quit. And then I went out to get drinks with him after uh, we left the venue that day and talked about it. And um, he was like, they're going to they're going to offer you a paid position because I'm leaving. So that's going to free up like the money that they were paying me. So they are going to offer you a paid position, which if you need to do the safe thing, you should take. Absolutely. You should take that. But if you want to come over here and do this thing with me, would love for to have you involved. And I still had five months on that year that I gave myself. So I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's go, yeah. man. Let's go. Yeah, why take the easy choice? <laughs> yeah, sink Don't. or swim at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and that ended up not working out. There were a whole slew of reasons, um, which are like personal stuff that's not worth getting into. Everyone's fine. I'm still friends. Shout out Drew. I could, that's his name. Um, definitely changed my life by presenting me with the opportunity to go be involved in that. But the, the actual company ended up not working out. So I was kind of back in the same position as before. I'm just like, okay, now I'm doing freelance marketing, PR. What's something I can do? And I don't know if y'all know about this part of it, but what I landed on was this thing that I called Drunk Mall. It was basically Sky Mall on the internet for people who get drunk and buy dumb <laughs> dumb things online. I do love Never Sky Mall there. and I've had a few wines oh, on yeah. the plane. So yeah, when I was traveling all the time, Sky Mall is defunct now, I think. I don't think it exists unless they someone saved it. But when I was flying all the time, they had Sky Mall, but they didn't have internet on airplanes. And I drink when I fly. I'm drinking now. Drink when I fly. It's, it's a thing. We know nothing yeah. about that. <laughs> so I remember thinking like, then the next time I got on a plane, there was no Sky Mall, but there was internet. And I was drunk. I was just like, honestly, it's probably a good thing that they don't have Sky Mall on here now that they have internet on here. Because I would get drunk and buy Everything. half the stuff in Sky Mall. Um, so yeah, that was that sort of led to this Drunk Mall idea. And that kind of went viral on the internet. Yeah, um, I can see yeah, why. This website started writing about it. And that's how I was making most of my money. And then, I mean, this is a super long answer. You have asked me one question so totally far. Okay. <laughs> um, I have the, several follow-up questions now. <laughs> cool. Like, where can I find Drunk Mall online? It's still online. I don't. I stopped updating it. But that was that was work. That was. I, it was three posts a day, every day of the week. So I was writing twenty-one articles a week for oh this gosh. thing by myself, um, and it was it was hard work. And the other thing that was happening simultaneously is I have a lot of physical problems from like I played heavy guitars and had bad posture the whole time that I was on tour I got a lot of back problems and I was doing this form of physical therapy where you basically got to like lay on the ground on a lacrosse ball and I was doing this for like an hour or two most nights and I'm a multitasker so that's when I got into listening to podcasts um and then I, I pretty quickly realized that the ones I liked the most were not so much the roundtable discussion ones which most podcasts are so much as the ones where someone is telling you a story that they've uh, they've sat down and thought about this and it's been written it's scripted you know and when i realized that i was like oh man i bet there's a killer podcast about country music because there's all these great stories from the world of country music and so i go to the apple podcast app and type country music and there were zero search results not even a bad one Wow. Wow. I, like, no one when, was, so when was this? What year was this like? Probably, would have had to have been 2016, I guess. Okay. Maybe maybe early 2017. I since found out that there were, of course, shows about country music, but the Apple Podcast apps uh, 
search function only returns words that are in the title Correct. of yeah. the show. Yeah. So none of them had the words country music in the title, but I didn't know that at the time. So I'm just like, oh man, no, no one's even, and it wasn't like I saw dollar signs. It was like a crushing weight of responsibility landed on my head where I couldn't sleep for the next like two nights. I was laying in bed, just like, I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have to do this. And if, if, if people are not aware, uh, country music is something that the people who do care about it care a, a lot, lot about yeah. it. Yeah. And everyone thinks that they know everything about it. You know, I thought I knew everything about it. Making a show about country music has taught me how much I didn't know about country music before I took the time to actually find out the truth about a lot of things. Um, so I knew that doing this was going to make people mad at me at some point. At some point, I'm going to say something that a lot of people are not going to want to hear. Yeah, you know, so that's like, it's really like nerve wracking, yeah. and it, it's like a, a lot of anxiety comes with that. But th that's just the price that has to be paid in order for this thing to exist. And so that is the answer to how I uh, came to do this. And I, so uh, I'm sure follow up is like, what'd you do then? So I like I ordered a microphone within a week of having this thought. And uh, I'd spent like nine months working on it. And then I started releasing episodes and people started paying attention to it instantly. That's the, the first episode that I posted on Facebook instantly got more traction than anything I had ever posted in years of just having and a what, personal what account. What was that first episode? Uh, it was the one on Ernest Tubb, which was not actually the first episode I made. The first episode I made was the third one, which is the murder ballad of Spade Cooley, which... Yeah, uh, I just listened to that one yesterday. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm still not okay. Uh, that's That was a traumatizing thing because I was learning how to make a podcast while doing it. That one took longer than any other one. So I spent probably a solid two months on just that episode i was having wow. nightmares with spade cooley in them talking to me <laughs> it was terrifying it's a really it's a brutally disturbing story for again for people who don't know um so that was the first one that i made and 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 i thought i was gonna be the first one that came out because murder podcasts were the big trend so i was right. like here's maybe an entry point for people who think they don't care about this subject here's a way to get you in and then i went and researched the story that i thought i knew and found out that it was so much worse than yeah. i i was like there's no way i can come out of the gate with this like that's it would be so misrepresentative of what the rest of the show is to start from here so yeah i just moved it uh to the third episode okay. yeah because when i listened to that one i was like yeah i know this one and then you went into it and it's mm -hmm. like fucking hey i don't know nothing <laughs> about anything <laughs> yeah i find that like the older i get i'm more aware of that i don't know anything yeah like i used to, when i was younger i thought like i got this life figured out and now i'm like i really don't know much at all yeah i, I know did. how to have a good time yeah yeah so back to your podcast can you tell us a bit about like it seems very like research intensive how do you approach that like do you just, like pick a, a person that you want to go into or a story that you heard as a child or okay so uh, when i when when I realized I was going to do it, the first several seasons of the show instantly fell into place. So my whole life I've been reading books about country music and listening to country music and like pouring over the liner notes just as a fan, you know. So I, I kind of was studying for this job for decades without even realizing it is the thing. So when I did realize that I was going to do it, all the pieces were there and they were all in order like exactly where they were going to be so there were only one or two episodes in season one where i was like should i do this one should i not do this one but everything else i knew and so the first season is what i have started calling uh anthology approach where it covers a lot of different stories right and 
they are not uh, obviously linked stories, but if you go back and look at it, um, you can find several recurring threads that are sort of weaving through it. So one of the things everyone thinks about country music is uh, Nashville is it. Country music comes from Nashville. If it's not from Nashville, then it's it's, not it real doesn't country. matter. You know, yeah. that's the thing that almost everyone thinks. But the reality is country music comes from everywhere. Yeah. There are Australian country artists. Like, that's real. Um, so one of the recurring themes in season one is a bunch of artists not necessarily from Nashville. There's a lot of stuff from California. There's a lot of stuff from Texas. Uh, even Louisiana, uh, Cajun right. uh, artist Rusty and Doug Kershaw. So I, I didn't really focus much on Nashville. And there was a sort another recurring thread of here's what it's like to be a woman in the country music yeah. industry. Not super not fun for yeah, uh, most absolutely. of the women who've done it, you know. And because uh, these are these are core concepts that everyone needs to understand in order to then move on. You know, in the first episode, there's a sidebar where I go a little bit into what a publishing company is and does. And people press play on that episode because it's about the time that Ernest Tubb challenged a guy to a duel, basically, and took a gun downtown in the middle of the night and tried to shoot shoot, shoot someone. That's what gets everyone to press play. But what they're hearing also is me explaining what a publishing company is yeah. so that I can then talk about that later and everyone understands. Uh, so it's a lot of that, sort of like sneaking vegetables in with the dessert that everyone is wanting. So And then season two is... Uh, all built around just George Jones. And I, the whole time yes. I was making season one, I knew that's what I was going to okay. do in season two. Um, I think that was one of our questions that we had. was like, is it just because there was so much there? Or did you already know you wanted to do a whole season? Every, yeah, all of it. Yeah. I mean, w- before I even started working on season one, I knew that all of season two was going to be about George Jones. And it, 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 he is objectively the greatest country singer of all time i mean the anyone who doesn't think so just it's their taste like they like someone else but if you ask that person they're gonna tell you that george jones is a better singer than them and it right down the line every one of them so that first of all and and so the music's incredible it's just amazing it's the it's the bar he set the bar and then when you add in the details of his personal life which are completely off the wall like if you pitched it as a movie they would tell you no because there's no way this is like no one's gonna believe this <laughs> and then you add tammy Wynette, who he was married to and right. her personal life which the uh the episode that comes out tomorrow is the first one on tammy Wynette okay. in season two and i'm honestly pretty nervous about it because i there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about tammy Wynette and are not gonna want to hear about tammy Wynette. and it's like kind of oh, i can't wait to hear it's it. scary it's scandalous <laughs> oh wow I'm going to have to like listen a lot. I got six yeah. or 30 hours to get home. Yeah. So I'll just be listening to your podcast the whole way home. So, yeah. But then in season two, again, um, it, I do these uh, seemingly non sequitur intros on each episode where I'll start talking about something. And you're like, why is this guy talking about this thing? And then hopefully if I've done my job right later in the episode, it clicks. And you're like, that's, oh, that's why, why he was talking yeah. about yeah. that. And the first intro of the first episode in season two is about pinball. And then the intro on the second episode is about ice cream. So I'm literally bribing the kids with video (laughs) games and ice cream in order to get them involved in this deep discussion of what even is country music versus rock and roll music? What is the Nashville sound? Who is responsible for this? Who are these musicians? All this like real deep dive nerd stuff before I even start talking about George Jones, really. And then it gets into the story. And yeah, 
I really like that approach because so I was a teacher for 11, 12 years and my motto is bribery works. Oh, it so does. If Incentives. You can, if you can get them excited and it works with adults, I've done training with. Oh, yeah. With I used to show up at the fire or, station with a because I was a fireman way back in my previous life. I would show up with a dozen donuts. You can get firemen to do anything <laughs> for a dozen donuts. Might be a bit stereotypical, but hey, yeah. if it works. But yeah, so I love that you get people hooked in because maybe people aren't interested in history of country music. And then once they get into it, they realize how interesting it actually is. And they become completely engaged and want to keep listening. Well, it's also a matter of one of the big things that I'm trying to always overcome is there are a lot of misconceptions that the average person has about country music, even fans of the genre. Um, and one of the biggest ones is that it's this separate thing it exists over here apart from mainstream culture mainstream society apart from the history of like pop or rock when that could be further from the truth you know yeah. and so so when i'm talking about all these things where i mean like bullfighting was a big one in season two i had to spend quite a while talking about bull spanish bullfighting <laughs> in season two and there were some people who were like why is this guy talking about bullfighting <laughs> what could it possibly have to do with country music and i mean no spoilers in this conversation but i think a lot and it gets there, like you people who are paying attention and let me take the time to talk about these things. They do get the payoff. They do find out. But um, maybe someone's really interested in bullfighting or pinball or the history of ice cream or something else. and Or, or uh, like distillation. Like one of the episodes starts with the history of prohibition. And I literally tell people how to make moonshine. Here's how to make moonshine. And then explain, Go back and explain the process, yeah. you know. So there are people who may never care about country music, but they work at some brewery somewhere. And someone's like, man, you got to listen to this intro. This guy's talking about like prohibition. I had no idea about all this stuff. So they go listen to that. Next thing you know, they are listening to a podcast about the history of country music. So That's amazing. I'll, I'll get them any way I can. You yeah. know, I'll do I, I love that approach. Yeah. That's amazing. And it makes it a lot more relatable. I think instead of saying, if you're not already a country music buff, like this podcast isn't for you, this podcast is for everybody. I it hope sounds so. like, yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you've had, a hell of a journey like to get where you are but it does sound like like what you were doing in your younger years it really was shaping you to be exactly where you are now and um you know we always say looking back like any mistake that we made individually or as a couple it's led us to exactly where we are now and we're so appreciative for those lessons that we learned along the way um and speaking of like living life differently we find that as expats you know we get a lot of pushback from people that our life is unconventional or they don't understand our choices. But for us, we find it extremely rewarding. Uh, and we don't really, we're not too bothered if people don't understand our life choices. And we're not, you know, if they don't want to believe that, that's okay with us because we're happy and doing what we want to do. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm living life just a bit on the outside of the box. I, well, I mean... Yeah, like you said, what other people think about what you're doing doesn't really matter if it's working for you. But I mean, I think that I think it's just like fear. I think that other people were like, I couldn't do that because I would be afraid to do that. And and the thing about it is, there isn't a safety net. I don't like existing outside of the system means there is not a system in place to support right. you. So yeah. if you fall, you're alone. You're you're by yourself. Yeah, and that's that's scary but some people can make it yeah. outside of a system and if you can and you don't want to be a part of the normal thing and, and i 
did. I tried. Like I wanted to go work somewhere and have a boss who made all the decisions and all I had to do was clock in and do things. I just couldn't get hired anywhere. You know, I, I would have done that and been fine. You know, I would wash dishes somewhere. That, that could be what I'm doing right now, but it's not. And and like you said, I'm not someone who has a lot of regret. I mean, I do like I feel bad about mistakes that I've made, but it's I, I yeah. understand that the corrective measures I made in my own life after making those mistakes is what made me this person. And I'm really, really happy with who I am now and my life. It's great. Yeah. You may, you may regret the mistakes you made, but if you didn't make those mistakes, you wouldn't be who you are. That's how you learn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't fall a couple of times in life, you're, you'll never be anything. Yeah. And then the other thing, so uh, if you listen to the first like four episodes of the first season of Cocaine and Rhinestones, I mean, I'm not going to uh, list everything that I did wrong because it would kind of be teaching people how to hear my mistakes, but they are there. <laughs> you know, like you can hear that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm figuring it out as I go. Oh, that's our which, favorite method. Yeah. Figure it out as you go. So Just wing it. The only way. What are you going to do? Like lock yourself away in a basement, make a whole season of a podcast, learn how to do it, scrap that and then start over. Start, yep. Yeah. Not because not, I'm thinking about this long term. You know, I'm like, I know what the first five seasons of the show are going to be. And that's a, there's a lot of stuff that I'm, there's a lot of work that I have already assigned to myself. And then when I'm done with that, I'm just going to take a look around and figure out what work is next. So like, this is literally a life's work. I don't have time to make it perfect. I have time to make (laughs) it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And perfection isn't real. No, like that's just, not It's at not all. relatable. It's not real. Yeah, I mean, you got to let me make make the mistakes and everything, and we're going to move on. You know, yep. it's got to make this happen. I like that approach. So what do you think is one of the biggest challenges in being like a wayward soul? Like I would say, like you're a kindred spirit to us. Like just want to do something very different, and you seem very passionate. So like, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in doing that? It, well, I mean, honestly... I hear people talk a lot about uh, discipline and, you know, if you're your own boss, you got to make yourself work. And I have the opposite problem where I have to make myself stop working sometimes where I don't set hours and I will work for 14 hours in a row uh, sometimes and or longer. If, if I'm involved in something really heavy and I don't, don't feel like I can get back to where I am in the headspace, if I walk away, it might not be there when I come back to it. I just keep going until it's done. And then, I mean... At a certain point, it's like, I mean, why am I even doing this? Like, I got to go do something that I enjoy, you know? And one of the things I like is obviously hanging out with my wife, watch TV, watch movies and stuff. That's fun. And pinball is another thing where you just don't have to think you're enjoying it. And I, I so I'll, I'll go play pinball for a few hours. Okay. But I, not working all the time, I think, is a pretty big challenge. And honestly, I don't think a lot of people talk about like a lot of like independent creators don't really tend to talk about it that way i agree i think it's very hard to set boundaries for yourself when you are so passionate about something because you're like well i am enjoying it so it's fine i can just keep on doing it but you may risk the run the risk of burning out or and and then you risk the part of like i want it perfect and then like so you get so so focused on it you're like i want it this way and it never ends up that way. Yeah. yeah. I think I do think I am pretty good about letting it just be done, you know, when it yeah. gets there. It, it does because it just takes so long. I mean, I can't I'm, I can't sit there and be like, I can I can spend more time on it and make it better. It's like, no, nah, dude, you've been doing this for a year at this yeah. point. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then what would you say is like one of the biggest benefits of living life the way that you do? Uh, I can tell anyone to fuck off. I like yeah. that. You know, and 
I'm the kind of person who will tell yeah. someone okay. to fuck off. I, I'm a kind of, I believe that there are people who need to be told to fuck off. I and I believe that, that it is I believe it is a public service sometimes for a person to just be like, you know what? You're an asshole. And a lot of people think that makes me an asshole, which is fine, I guess. Um, we all got to be something. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's I don't. It's uh, the self sufficiency thing is basically it. Like uh, my primary income for the past several years was uh, Patreon, where like people who listen to Cocaine and Rhinestones go to Patreon and sign up to send me like five dollars a month or something. And if enough people do that, it adds up, and you can make a living off of it. And that's what I've been doing. So. Uh, there is on some level this notion in my head of like I could screw around and say the wrong thing someday and everyone could stop supporting what I'm doing. You know, that's that's there, always there. Um, but also I don't, don't tend to say things that I'm not willing to stand behind, yeah. you know? I mean, and I do, I make another podcast called your favorite band sucks and without like explaining it, which makes it not fun. I say a lot of really outrageous things on that <laughs> podcast, but smart people look at it and can tell what they're looking at. They can tell what they're seeing. So uh, like, I'm not really counting that over there. Like that's definitely right. a character or a role yeah. that I'm playing on that show and it's fun and people like it. Um, but just, in general, having a social media account is things because I say a lot of wild shit on Twitter sometimes. I just do, and um, a lot of the time when I'm doing that, I'm actually I'm trying to like I'm working. I'm trying to figure yeah. out what people think about things because I'm saying something in a way that gets everyone's attention in order for me to then get all the responses that yeah. it gets, so I can sort of crowdsource what's what's everyone's vibe on this. Okay. You know, so you use that like as um, a research almost, like using your Twitter feed. Absolutely, way. yeah. Um, and and I, I've spent my whole life, uh, you know, talking to people about country music, so I've got a lot of this stuff. But particularly during the pandemic, when it's like stay in your house and don't go talk to people. That was like the only way I had to, you know, get like check yeah. vibes on this stuff. I couldn't like go to the bar and talk to someone about George Jones for two hours because you're supposed to stay inside. So yeah. Okay. Oh wow. I love that. So, um, I would say podcasting is still a fairly new career, right? Is that what would you say is uh, what would you suggest for people interested in beginning a podcast? Well, I am a pretty big proponent of this medium i'm always talking uh about how i think if if someone believes they have a good idea for a podcast i i'm not saying that it is a good idea i don't i don't know if everyone's ideas are good what i'm saying is if you think you have a good idea for a podcast it costs less than 300 dollars to find out if that's something other people want to hear yeah you know and if it is and if enough people want to hear it then you could quit your job and you could work for yourself and right. that's a thing you know and again i'm not saying every show is going to be successful but there are a lot of bad podcasts out there <laughs> there really are and it so once if you've got an idea for a good one it'll it'll break through like it'll yeah. stand apart yeah. like people will hear the difference they're like oh wow this is way more interesting than most of the things that i've pressed play on and those odds are incredible um and I, I think that people, I think that people hit this stumbling block on I'm not interesting, you know, or who am I to like imposter yeah. syndrome? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. who am I to decide I get to say the thing about the thing? And it's like, well, what have you spent your life doing, you know? And even not even doing, or what have you spent your life interested in? Yeah. Um, you know, I think 
I'm certain that someone could make a podcast about the history of bowling. You know, just bowling. It's like, that's, there's got. I don't know anything about bowling. I've never researched it myself. But there has got there's to be. There's a niche for it. Though. There's sure. got to be yeah. so many interesting stories yeah. on something that has existed for as long as that is. Like, how did that come into existence? I don't know. If you have a compelling way of telling stories and you go find out about it and then return and tell everyone about it, it'll probably be interesting. Like, yeah. people probably want to listen to it. You know, and uh, yeah, it's if you if you're a person who Ever and, and people in your life are like want to know your opinion on stuff. Like, oh, you watch a lot of TV shows. Which one? Which one of this genre do you like? If if people are ever coming to you and asking your opinion about anything, that means you have a perspective and an insight on something that they find valuable, yeah. and there is value there. And yeah. I, I just think I think a lot of people don't see themselves in those terms or in, that, in those I ways. Agree. We actually so we follow uh, Adrian Brambilla and one of his marketing techniques is to think about like what are you interested in think about what people always ask for your help on are they asking you like hey can you come look at my car or hey can you give me a recipe or can you fix my computer yeah whatever it is do whatever that's what your talent is and you may not even realize that's like a a talent or a gift for you so that's great advice so we agree if you're interested in podcasting or a youtube channel whatever whatever it is our advice is also like just start just go for it because what's the worst that could happen you know, you're out yeah. a couple hundred bucks and... Well, I mean, uh, yeah. the, the other thing that I... One of the things that made me just start making Cocaine and Rhinestones also was the realization that if I didn't, then five years down the road, I was going to go to the podcast app, search country music, there were going to be zero results, and I was going to say, I should have done it. Yeah. Yeah, And I, that's not something... That's not an experience that I was willing to have. You know, I would rather know that I tried and failed than... Not tried. Not tried, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I think we should wrap it up on that. We would rather try and fail than to know that we could have tried and we didn't. Yeah. I absolutely love that. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It was absolutely incredible. Um, You can check the description and the notes, and we will link both podcasts and the GQ article, if that's all right with (laughs) you. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much. Definitely check out Cocaine and Rhinestones, and the other one is Your Favorite Band Sucks. It does. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to listen to that one and click the link for the GQ article. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. See y'all. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share it on social media, give us a rating and leave a review. These really help us. Follow and connect with us on Instagram at Our Wayward Life and reach out to us with any questions either through social media or email at ourwaywardlife at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.